the perfect intro music to the final edition of the Bird Brains with Ken and Mark. We're going to finish out the 23-24 season mercifully for all of us Eagles fans. Start the It's All Over chant. Mark, you were a high school athletic director. You remember the It's All Over chant at basketball oh, yeah. games when you know you, you beat the opposing team and the, like the crowd was uh, oh, yeah. was putting it to you. We're going to talk about one of the most historic collapses I've seen in sports. Now, I'm a guy who grew up in Chicago, and I remember the 69 Cubs. I still have sleepless nights over them blowing that lead to the Mets. Uh, 64 Phillies come to mind now that I'm a Philadelphian. I've heard a lot about the 64 collapse of the Phillies with Gene Mock, but this really came out of nowhere. In baseball, you face hot pitching or your bats go cold. There's you can rationalize reasons why teams, you know, don't don't finish. But in this case, um, the Eagles, after starting out ten and one and being in the Super Bowl last year, totally fall uh, on their face, their collective faces. And, and we're going to talk about it. This is the Bird Brains with Ken and Mark, Ken Dunnick, Mark Eckel, sponsored by Jersey Man and Philly Man Magazine. Our new January issue is for free on the website. Go to jerseymanmagazine.com and check it out. You can also get a hard copy subscription there if you like. And we're recording this today at Sweet Recording Studios in Mount Laurel. Joe Gangemi is the owner and produces our podcast. If you want to start a podcast, reach out to Joe at sweetrecording.com. All right, Mark, you were and I were uh, doing angry texts to each other all night last night while this game was going on. You know, I'm angry, angry, and I even like most Eagles fans, I'm a little more confused than I am angry. We've talked about some of the potential reasons for this collapse, but overall, what did you think of the performance last night? And we're going to go line by line of what happened and where do we go from here? Well, the, the performance was despicable. It was heartless, I mean, right? Heartless. Right. They didn't. They didn't. This was a playoff. I mean, all we heard about all week was oh, we're starting playoff. zero, we're starting yeah. zero zero. Yeah. We're, you know, we, you know, we're going to be okay. Blah blah blah. This and that, and we're we'll get it back. They didn't try. No, they didn't look like they wanted to play. Especially no. the defense. Let, let's start with the defense. How many like and the announcers couldn't get over Aikman and Buck didn't couldn't believe what they were watching. Rightfully so. I mean, right. How many missed tackles? It, it's it's uncom- I've never seen a defensive team that poor at tackling, and they didn't uh, even care. Like some of them, they just didn't even get in the way. Like they, it was off. It was it wasn't a professional effort by any stretch of the imagination. You know that brings up a couple points. Number one, uh, Jason Hargrave, who was on the Eagles last year, went to San Francisco, made the comment that San Francisco practices a lot harder than the Eagles do, which I thought was a telling statement. The other thing is I've been at practice and uh, I went to the first, what was supposedly the first live practice this year in training camp. There was no hitting. It was an hour and 20 minutes. There, there was no pads popping. If you look at the Detroit film of how they practice live tackling in training camp and Dan Campbell actually rallied the troops and apologized, say, listen guys, for us to be a championship team, we got to practice this shit. Okay, so I don't want you to get hurt but we got to win, and this is what we're going to do. The Eagles don't do that. They just don't do it. I've seen it with my own eyes. That's what I I asked you that last week. What did they – and I said one of our texts back and forth, or I think we can put it online. What do they do? They're not prepared for anything. No, I mean, it's a, it's Todd, a, Bowles, the, the, 
on Bulls' defense, just like the Giants' defense in the regular season, um, the last game of the regular season, they played a team that likes to blitz. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that. And I don't even cover the stuff anymore. I'm, I, I sit back and watch now. I know that Tampa likes to blitz. I know the Giants, that's all they do is blitz. That's all Wink Martindale's ever done is blitz. They were not prepared for the blitz again. No. No hot and, round. And, and what do you think is going to happen after that goes on film, really? Okay, Seriously. Well, yeah, you're going to blitz them. Yes. Teams, hey, other teams actually watch film of the other game, other team. You know what I'm saying? I don't or think you could be blitz. like the Eagles and think you're going to fool them, you know, by, by thinking they're not going to blitz. But it's ridiculous. You have to be ready for it. That's why that you know it's it was embarrassing. It was an embarrassing performance. Tampa Bay's not that good, Ken. No. They're okay. Hey, they're okay. Give them what did I text you offensively? Team. I said they're making uh, Tampa Bay look like the 49ers yeah. here. Our defense, right? It's, I, uh, I, I said to you early in the game, and I said it. I put it on Tampa Bay, and I watched that game because it was it was my local game. Tampa Bay played Carolina in a game Tampa had to win to win the South, mm-hmm. and they did. They won nine nothing. Yeah. Score a touchdown against they Carolina. Nine points against arguably the worst team in football, Carolina Panthers. Right there, the they won two games. They scored nine points. They scored ten against the Eagles in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. What's that tell you? So, thirty-two. They scored thirty-two in the game and could have had a lot more. How many touchdown passes did Tampa drop no, last? Incredible. It could have been much worse. So the the first reason I have written down is lack of heart uh, and lack of discipline, which obviously the Eagles showed in spades last night. Number two. Poor fundamentals. Have you ever seen, and we just touched on it, a poor tackling team in the National Football League? Not only poor tackling, but how many times is the middle of the field going to be left wide open until you fix that? I mean, I don't know what the fix is. And I, you know, normally, Mark, uh, when we do these podcasts, I have time to really look at the film. I'll pull up Baldy's comments and some other people so I can get a better handle on it. I don't have as much of a handle on because it was a late game and we're recording this early today but the 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 wide open middle of the field has never been addressed and that's been going on really uh, for oh, the yeah. last couple of years with the eagles even when they were winning that was a problem mm-hmm. they overcame it some in some ways but it's just a mess and it i mean how about let's go to one execution. guy one guy came to play with yeah, Smith. Devontae Smith. He yeah, came. Absolutely. I'll give him all the credit in the world. He came to play. He did. He well, did actually, the, actually, I was looking for bright spots. The punter did okay last two man. <laughs> and that's I'm sure he'll, he had, I'm sure he'll he appreciate the mention in the podcast. Anyway, he might even tune in. But let, let's go to number three. Uh, poor execution, and we talked about it again briefly, the inability to handle the blitz. Now, we – We've always said there's two ways to handle a blitz. Number one, you block it. Or number two, you run side adjustment routes with the receivers, which they actually were forced into doing a couple times later in the game. But, again, it seemed like they weren't ready for that. They were having trouble blocking it up. They knew it was coming. And the receivers were running like 15-yard stick routes, and Hertz had no place to throw the ball. No, it was it was just a, it was everything. It was a lot. Hey, you know, not for nothing, but everyone keeps saying how this, the Eagles have the best offensive line. Oh, yeah, Jeff Stoutland, the best offensive I mean, line they, they had They had the best offensive line of football. It's not It's not what it was. It got old. And it's going to get It's going to get the worse because Jason Kelsey announced his retirement. Well, about but, time. Yeah. It's about time. He's done. Although I, I, I still think he could have squeezed another year or two mm, out of it. But it's time. It's time. He, he doesn't want to go through this anymore. Mm-hmm. He, 
is. He made his mark. He's, yeah, we he said the same thing about Jason Peters a few years ago. Too. Well, we he's, were right. He's still cashing <laughs> a paycheck. Though. Somebody's paying him. How about, how about this, Mark? How about the lack of leadership on both sides of the ball? Now, you've got Fletcher Cox on defense, who's been there, I believe, 13 years. Brandon Graham who uh, last night surprisingly said he wanted to come back for another year. You know, I guess he wants another paycheck. But So those are your really your defensive leaders. And offensively, your quarterback, Jalen Hurts, is supposed to be the leader. Well, you know, when they were winning and Jalen Hurts was on the bench by himself, uh, meditating, contemplating, whatever he was going to do, I was okay with it because – my hey, my head's in the game. I'm thinking about the next play. I'm not too excited about our recent success. But when the team's going bad, you got to be racing up and down that sideline and firing up the troops. And he sat there by himself to the point where he and Dallas Goddard had words last night, uh, yeah. in, I believe, in the third quarter. So, I mean, that's a telltale sign of this team is lacking leadership on both sides of the ball. I couldn't agree more. And it all, and it's not just well to me. Leadership starts with your coaching staff. I don't, and we'll get to that, I'm sure, but he's not a leader. Sirianni's not a leader. He's a cheerleader is what he is. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think like a lot of these younger up and coming coaches who feel very fortunate to have the job and he should, is that he wants to be everybody's friend. He wants the players to like him. He thinks that will make the players play for him. He defends the players at every post-game press conference, even though it's obviously they're not doing their job, he takes the heat. Hey, I get it. It's a page out of the Andy Reid book. I understand that. But at some point, uh, somewhere, whether it's in public or not, you have to hold the players accountable because they're the ones on the field that are supposed to be making the place. Yeah, I don't care what he says in press conferences. I really don't. I mean... I don't even know why they have press conferences anymore because it's well, because they're really not press conferences. No, they're not. Uh, no. Um, and like you said, Andy never said anything. Most you know, he did every once and again, and when you did it, it was like whoa. But um, but when he, I want to know what he's saying. Just like I want to know what they do on Wednesday and Thursday at practice, I want to know what he's saying to the guys when they're in meetings and when they're is he is he coddling them there as well? Because it seems like it. I mean, nothing gets fixed. The same mistakes they, they over the last whatever, even early in the year when they were winning and they were winning, they were getting some fortunate breaks to help them win. Like Kansas City guy drops the touchdown pass. Um, Dallas Dak steps out of bounds. I mean, there's a lot of they won some games. Hey, you win. That's all that matters, and that's what we kept saying: wins are wins to win. But it all caught up to them, and now they can't beat anybody. Are they the worst team in football right now? Well, I will tell you this. Um, I've got some stats. Since the 49ers loss in Week 13, and by the way, a couple of uh, events happened uh, around that loss that we're going to talk about. They are 31st in the league in win percentage. They have 32 teams in the league, so they're next to last. 31st in opponents' points per game, next to last. 31st in point differential, next to last. And dead last in turnover differential. This is a team that went to the Super Bowl last year and started out the season 10-1. and one. So uh, what happened around week 13? Well, a couple things happened. Number one is uh, Dom DeSandro got uh, suspended. Now, unless he's the director of football operations and has a hand in calling offenses and defenses, I don't think that that was one of the reasons why. The other thing is they made the defensive coordinator change. Um, they were frustrated with the losses to uh, San Francisco and Dallas. They make this change. 
and the entire thing falls apart. My question to you is, when you see the team struggling and you know it's going downhill, uh, would an experienced coach go ahead and make another change to try to salvage the season? If I'm Sirianni, I'm calling offensive plays. I don't care what feathers it ruffles in the in the staff. I'm going to call those offensive plays, and I may, may make some defensive adjustments. I don't know if I go as far as changing the, the coordinator back, but I would certainly make some adjustments internally to make sure things are we we right the ship and. In, to my knowledge, none of those none of those things happen. Well, it didn't if they did, it didn't it didn't translate to Sunday or Monday right. whenever they played. I mean, it was just like I said. I don't know what they. It it looks to me like like the coaching staff just said, "Hey, we got good players. Go out there and play, and we'll win." Mm-hmm. It's not like that. Everybody's got. I mean, well, the NFL is pretty balanced. Yeah. We talked about it, the line last week, that the Eagles were actually a three-point favorite. And I said there's no way they could be favored against any professional football team, um, especially on the road. And uh, what mystified, what the only reason why I didn't unload and make a lot of money on Tampa last night is, number one, I don't like to bet against the Eagles because I'm really rooting for them. I I want them to, uh, to succeed. But the line didn't move, and I thought a lot of sharp money late would come on on, on Tampa Bay, and it actually went the other way. The line jumped to three and a half uh, late in the evening. So it, the, the Eagles fooled everybody. They, they fooled the, the prognosticators, they uh, fooled the experts, and they fooled the betting public. Well, I guess people were buying into the <laughs> zero and we'll start again. And, and they did beat Tampa. See, here's the thing, too. Um, you you mentioned earlier that I was an athletic director for a couple, for four years at a, a Catholic, Trenton Catholic Academy up in up in Jersey, and one of the things I judged my coaches on was our conference games because we played everybody twice. How did we do the second time? You know, if we beat them the first time, we better beat them again the second time and beat them better. If we lost the first time, I want to see us beat them. Say, well, the Eagles beat Tampa Bay early in the year. Lost to him the second time. They beat him. Not Mark. Not only did they beat him, they had over 200 yards of rushing against Tampa Bay. Last night, they had uh, a total of 42 yards rushing. DeAndre Swift had carried it 10 times for 34 yards. Hurts uh, one carry for five yards. And Gainwell four carries for three yards. Totally inept with the rushing game. And, that, and that's my point about, to your point, Make coaches making adjustments. Todd Bowles, Todd Bowles made the adjustments. Yes. He took the Eagles out of the rushing game and blitzed so they couldn't pass. So you talk about getting out coached. In a game. That, that's what I'm saying. They were so undressed. They, they played Dallas twice. They beat Dallas the first time, got blown out the second time. They played the Giants twice. They barely beat them the first time, got blown out the second time. I didn't mean much, but still, they, got, they were embarrassed by a bad New York Giants team. Washington, they beat twice, but Washington, I mean, they were Washington's just bad. They were bad, but they both games, Washington stinks. The, <laughs> they have the second pick of the draft for a reason. And they, if Ron Rivera had was really Riverboat Ron, he would have gone for two yeah. and tried to win that one time. Yeah. So I didn't, this coaching, I, I, the coaching staff was bad. It was bad from top to bottom. It was obvious that Strykin and Gannon were the, were the brains of the operation and ran the show last year. And, I, and they got to the Super Bowl because of those two guys. Not because of the of the clown that that's that, that has the head coach. Uh, but he has to get to the clown. And I don't like clowns. 
So let me, uh, let's talk about the offense. 0 for 9 in third down situations <laughs> yesterday. I mean, just uh, totally inept. How about the Hurts uh, taking the safety when he could easily have dumped that ball and oh, he holds on to it until he's in the ground? I thought he was down, but they called it intentional grounding for the same thing. It was the safety. But, that ball's on the 14-yard line, Ken. Exactly, and that I mean, doesn't he? He you just looks unsure people. back there, doesn't he? He he looks like he's not prepared for what's going mean. on. It seems hard look, to believe. It looks like he doesn't want to be there either. Mm, that's true. I, I would agree with that's that. That's why I asked. I think he wants to go to transfer portal. Again. Doesn't he have two hundred fifty million reasons why he would want to be there? Though I mean, shouldn't that be some? Incentive? There's something that he's. There's something missing with him. He just doesn't look interested. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Yeah, and like I mentioned his demeanor before, but there comes a point where you got to drop the cool and you got to uh, fire up the troops. How about defensively? They allowed 150 yards uh, after the catch, 157 yards after the catch yesterday, the most the Eagles uh, team has given up in a playoff game since 2009. I mean, the the lack of coverage skills, the lack of tackling, the embarrassing play, I believe it was in the third quarter, and I forget who scored the touchdown for Tampa, but Bradbury uh, missed the tackle. It would have been a six-yard gain. And then Byers, uh, the safety on the side, totally uh, overruns the play, and the guy goes in for a score. I mean, it's uh, it, it, it makes no sense to me how, how experienced football players that have been in the league this long could, could make those mistakes, poor tackling fundamentals, take bad angles. It just, uh, nothing makes sense. Well, again, it starts... With I, I'm 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 done with talking about the coaching because I think I made my my feelings clear about what I think of the coaching staff. But it, let's take it a step above that. Howie Roseman, who everyone has crowned the greatest general manager of all time, didn't have a good year. Mm-mm. He 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 re-signed Bradbury to a big contract when he could have. You know the guy had one good year for us last year, but maybe he's not all that or, and, and that's his job to figure it out it's not fans love all you know, fans want to spend the money sign this guy sign that guy well a, a general manager has to be smarter and know who to sign who not to sign who to go after who not to go after he let chauncey gardner johnson walk. let him go yeah. and they kept bradbury how about, how about edwards for they played well Alderman. for chicago for yeah. chicago this year how about Derek barnett who's playing pretty good oh, for, that was uh, yeah for he Houston did that. right now he did that, and that might have been a wake-up call i, I can't I can't kill him for getting rid of Barnett. I, I kind of agree with that because Barnett was, was yeah, still treading know. water when he was here. Yeah. Um, but then they bring in all these, you know, every week they, they were signing another washed-up veteran, whether it was on a kid from Tennessee, Barrett. Uh, Listen, I was staying near my phone. I figured like, <laughs> I might be the next washed-up guy, guy up, up the deck. Hey, you did sign. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they brought in um, Shaq Leonard, you know. Yeah. I told you. He, who, who, I think he made one or two plays. Hey, by the way, speaking of names, did you hear Jordan Davis's name one time last night? Did you hear who? Jalen Carter's name one time? Did you hear Hassan Reddick's name one time last night? Did not. Uh, these are supposed to be three premier defensive linemen. Did not hear their name on the broadcast. Yeah. I'm telling you, one guy showed up last night, Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. He played his heart out. I can't rip him. He gets... He really he does. does. I mean, you talk about a kid who gets the hard. most out of his physical really ability and talent. I mean, that, that, he's a gamer, man. I I'll love tell you it. what. Another kid that did play well was that uh, Milton Williams. Yes, he did. He yes, played he hard. Did. He made some plays. He seemed like he was trying. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But other than that, it, it looked like they just couldn't. They wanted the season to end. How about the how about the breaking news that the tush push gets stopped? Oh, but by the way, there was a face mask on that play, <laughs> so they really should have uh, done it again. But um, that was that was kind of interesting. Again, would would you have done that? No, because the extra point didn't make any difference at that point. I mean, it was... uh... It didn't make a difference because, I mean, not that it it turned out, it didn't. They lost by 23. But I'd rather be down 16-10 and 16-9. Exactly. But don't you think, like, a lot of these coaches, it's a macho thing. And even Dan Campbell does this a lot. Oh, I'm going to... We're going to go for it. We're going to try to... Well, there comes a time when it doesn't make sense to do that. The one point right there is more valuable than the risk of losing it. So... Just take the point. I I get it. I get you got an unstoppable play, but last night it was stopped. And uh, but the but if the point makes it, if the point makes a difference, then you, you know go, go ahead and do right. it. Yeah. If not, it, it doesn't really uh, do a lot, whole lot for you. I some had other, the under. I was kind of happy. So, <laughs> some <laughs> other some other numbers. Uh, total yards last night: Tampa Bay four hundred and twenty-six. The Eagles two hundred seventy-six. Tampa Bay. The inept offense gashes our defense for 426 yards. Baker Mayfield, who's been on, what is his, is his third or fourth team now? 337 yards last night, three touchdowns. They should have had more. Could, should have had more. They dropped yeah, a few balls. They, they dropped um, like six balls, and three of them were touchdowns. Yards per play, Tampa Bay, 6.2 yards. Tampa Bay, 6.2 yards, yards per play. First downs. The inept Tampa Bay offense has 23 first downs to our 13. We're 0 for 2 on fourth down conversions. I mean, it's just... It, 0 for 9 on third down, 0 for 2 on yeah, fourth down. It, it's, it's just mind-boggling. So let's spend the last few minutes talking about where do we go from here. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Jason Kelsey announced uh, to the team last night, and it's being reported in the media this morning, that he is going to retire uh, probably the greatest center in Eagles history and certainly a Hall of Fame candidate. Uh, Brandon Graham came out and said that he wanted to play one more year, which I found interesting. I thought this would be a, a good way to, for him to go out, but uh, he he thinks he's got some more left and wants to do it. And uh, a lot of people are speculating that that was Fletcher Cox's last game. Um, if all these things are true, what what do you think of those three players and where do they go down in Eagles history? Oh well, like you said, Kelsey's a Hall Hall of Fame candidate, and probably a Hall of Famer. I'm not. I'm. I'm going to leave candidate out. Um, yeah, but without a doubt, the best. I didn't see Chuck Bednarik play, but he. Was, I mean, he played both linebacker and center. So that's. Um, that's I didn't. Unbelievable. I didn't see him play, but he was in a locker room a lot in 1980, and he was the scariest old guy you ever saw in your <laughs> life, man. I'm telling you, you did not want to say anything to that guy to make him man. Um, but yeah, Kelsey's probably the best center, pure just center in Eagle history. Um, Brandon Graham, it's funny, I covered his, you know, when he when he was drafted. Well, Kelsey was like a low pick. We didn't even think of nothing when he was drafted. But right. Brandon Graham was an early first-round pick that his first few years, he looked like a bad pick. Well, because he was a little undersized, a great you know, motor. And he, and he had some undersized. injuries, and he didn't, yeah. He, it, like, the light bulb came on for him about the fourth year. It mm-hmm. took a while, but then he became um, a very solid. I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer, but he's a very – he might be an Eagles Hall of Famer. Probably an Eagles Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah, and he had the biggest play in Eagle history. Right. He had the strip, the, the strip sack of Brady in the Super right. Bowl. So that that's what he'll always be known for. And Fletcher Cox, again, um, not a Hall of Famer, but a very consistent, good defensive lineman that, you know, again, got better um, 
I thought as his career went on. You know, he he was okay early. He was he was never bad. Like Ram looked bad early, but Cox was good right from the go. But he got better and better. Um, I think going from a three four to a four three helped uh, Cox's career a little bit too. Yeah, I I agree. Let's talk about um, the coordinators. Um, first of all, I want to say that. I stand by my theory that um, I talked about Dom DeSandro. The other thing that happened was I truly believe that the front office dictated that change to defensive coordinator to a New England guy, to Matt Patricia, who you uh, acknowledge that the Eagles brass loves the New England guys. So that's a a move that probably made sense to them. But I, I really think it backfired. Does Sirianni keep his job, number one? And number two, uh, will they make him fire both coordinators? And if he doesn't, obviously that will cost him his job because he did the same thing to Doug Peterson. I don't think Sirianni gets the option. I, I think he's gone. You think he's gone? Yeah, I do. I think. Well, and, and you think Bill Belichick's the guy? I think they're going to try. Mm. I mean, I don't know Bill well enough to know what he's thinking. I mean, he's going to, he, he already interviewed with Atlanta. Right. Um, that's the guy I think Laurie's going to go hard at. Now he has a there's a consolation prize now, and mm-hmm. it, might, it might even be the better prize is Mike Vrabel. Mm-hmm. There's too many good coaches available this this stretch. How about Harbaugh? He would never come to Philly. No, but that's okay. Um, Why? Take- Why? I I'll, I'll tell you off the air. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I can't he's, wait. He's taking the Let's end the podcast now so I can hear this news. That'd be great. He, he, he's taking the charges. I'm hmm. pretty sure. Um, but I don't. Here's the question that Jeffrey Laurie had to Things are wrong, right? Things are broke. Obviously. On all the whole, from top to things are broke. If you believe, you have to ask yourself this question: Can Nick Sirianni fix this? If the answer is, oh, yeah, no, no, no Nick can fix it, then keep him. Let mm-hmm. him fix it. But if there's any doubt that you don't think he can fix it, then why pro- prolong this? Why why throw away the 2024 season with a guy that you don't believe can fix your problems? So let me, let me ask you this. if Are you going to lay the blame on Sirianni if, in fact, it was Lurie and Roseman that dictated that de- defensive coordinator move? Are you going to lay the blame on him even though – he, you know, from from in my perspective, I don't think he wanted to make that move. I think it was forced on him. Do you blame him well, for that? No, I can't blame if that if you're right. If Roseman and Lori said hire P- Patricia, well then then they're if that's the case, and you're probably right. Then this guy has no authority anyway. So well, just that's why they hired him. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's why they hired him. They well, they, they want to tell guys what to do. That's why I'm against the. The Bill Belichick theory, because I don't think they're ever going to let anybody tell them what to do. I I just don't. But listen, I, I kind of hope you're right, because that would be a lot of fun, having Belichick in town and watching his sour puss at the press conferences. And, you know, man, you might come out of retirement, wouldn't you? They could go nah. ask Bill Belichick. No. Oh, no, nah, I don't want to deal. He's hard to deal with. I, I know, but it's got to be fun. Maybe, yeah, maybe be fun. one game. Maybe I'll come back for a spot like a, a, a cameo that'd be great that'd be great to have you back in town hey hey listen this is going to be our last podcast for the season now mark and i will be back uh, occasionally to talk about breaking eagles news whether it's a, a coaching change or the, or the draft or training camp or some other stuff that's been going on and again jersey man magazine our sponsor we thank them for uh, what they do for us here and 
Sweet Recording Studios. Joe Gangemi is a pleasure to work with, and I encourage everybody, if you want to start a podcast, contact Joe at sweetrecording.com. And, Mark, it's uh, it's been an interesting year. Always a pleasure working with you, and I look forward to uh, continuing it uh, later this year and certainly for the 2024 season. So thanks for being a part of this, partner. Thank you, Kenny. Now, we, we might be back in a, in a week or two. With yeah, the yeah, you, listen, you never, you never say never with this team. But that's going to do it for this edition of Bird Brains with Ken and Mark. I'm Ken Dunnick for my partner, Mark Eckel. Thanks, everybody, for watching, and we will see you next time.